Hello and welcome again to our home at home services. Always wonderful to have everybody coming together and what amazing time of fellowship we've been having. And I believe God has so much more in store for us. Thank you again, Gemma, for that wonderful welcome and to our worship team again for continually encouraging us and uh, hopefully you're singing along uh, and celebrating in worship with them. So thank you again for that. We've been on this journey uh, of this whole process of what it means to grow up and to understand that it's all about the will, us being in God's will, his will for us, and what will we do with what he is giving to us on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's only when we can truly respond and answer these questions from a biblical perspective that we know that we are following in his plan. The Bible tells us that it's important that we learn to be led by the Spirit of God. And so we've been talking recently about the conscience and the part it plays in how we are being led. And we've established that it's this barometer, it's this, this meter that allows us to assess, are we doing things in the way that God intends or are we going against that? Are we operating in the law of the Lord? And what that means is his righteousness, his way of doing things. And if we're not, our conscience will tell us by this emotional feeling of guilt, realizing actually we're going against something that is not morally right. And God is saying to us here that he never wanted us to live by laws because laws are stringent. They're very harsh. And the, the, the word actually says the law or the letter kills. It's so aggressive in if the, the moment you break it, that action kicks in and there seems to be no room for maneuver. But God is a God of forgiveness. He's a God of love. And so it's when you understand him, it's not surprising that he would not rely simply on a law to be how we live and govern. That there has to be this contextualization that takes place and the conscience is the only means of doing that. It will allow you to be sensitive and to assess the ethical conditions. You know, why is this wrong? Why is that right? Is it right in this moment or is it wrong in this moment? And only a healthy conscience has the enough ability and resource to process this effectively through the, the, the vision and the plan of God. And it's his ideas, it's his will, that Jesus Christ now allows to flow through us. We understand that everything we do for God in and through God is about his love flowing through us. And that's very important because everything that we do must be operating on the law of his love. And that's why he tells us that the, the law of love is about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and your neighbor as you love yourself. And this is what allows us to take a, a, a compassionate approach to somebody who perhaps has offended us or somebody who needs to be forgiven. It's through this whole process that arrives at the answer coming out of our conscience. This validates our action, lets us know what we're doing. And we spoke in our previous message about the woman 
he was caught in adultery and, and it was said that adultery is against the law. And the Jews had this as a principle law given to them by Moses. And when a group of these uh, local citizens gathered together around a woman that was caught in adultery, they were trying to get Jesus to be called out by saying, what are you going to do in this moment? Because she should be stoned. And what Jesus does is he uses now this moment to really exemplify how the conscience works. And he tells us that, you know, in this moment, he uh, asks the, 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 the individuals that were accusing this woman, and for those of you who want to read this up again, it's John 8 and verse 1 through to 11, but um, asks um, the accusers to say, which of you have no sin? And it's a really powerful question because if you then say that you don't, um, you've got to then be corroborated or uh, actually confirmed by those who live around you. And slowly what happens is that one by one, from the eldest to the youngest, they walk away. Why? Because the conscience kicks in and says, I too have sin. And if we're here to stone this woman for her sin, then we've also now got to look at personally, our own sins, and whether we now need to also be stoned. And in so doing, they walked away, and the only person there without sin was Jesus Christ. And he looks up at this woman, and he, he says, in fact, in verse uh, 9, when the accusers heard this, he says, they slipped away one by one, and beginning with the eldest, or the eldest until Jesus was left in the middle, and he says, and he stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? It's like a magic act. They disappeared. Um, and he says to them, look, you know, he doesn't con condemn them either, condemn her, um, but that she should just go away and don't do this sin anymore. And that is the, the power of the conscience. It's that it removes that sledgehammer of the law. You're guilty. You must be punished. Because often there may be a reason behind what you do. It is so difficult often when we see people are so hungry and they're having to steal to survive. And yet the law says, thou shalt not steal. And we have to answer to this deficit that uh, creates this condition where somebody is so hungry they've got nothing to eat and they have to go and steal. And we have to review the context as to, you know, if this person doesn't eat, they're going to die. Do we prefer that they die and not eat? Um, or are we saying it's okay to steal? And only the conscience in the moment can determine how ethically we work this out. And that's why it needs to be robust. It needs to be matured. And God talks about perfecting things. So today, I want to talk about something that's really important to us and to God, is that we perfect what he's asking of us. Often we can hear things, and so many of us do, and um, maybe you've been one of those persons that somebody has to say, I know you can hear me despite you're acting like you don't, or you're ignoring what I'm saying. Because often we do that. We hear and don't do. And God only understands that we have heard in his eyes, when we do whatever has been asked of him or of us to be done. 
And I grew up with parents like that, that they, you know, would uh, actually only know and understand that, that we've heard them when we've done what they've asked us to do. And so invariably, it's important to realize that we can hear consistently over so many years and lack growth, lack maturity. And so our conscience doesn't become robust and mature to be sensitive to God's voice. This is part of that process. You want to hear God's voice more, then continue to work on your conscience. Work on what it means to be you and defined by the righteous and the moral standard that God is infusing and empowering you to live. This is what we have to understand about God. And I'm going to use a verse here. He's all about maturity and perfection. Matthew 5 verse 48 actually says in a nutshell, it says, look, you know, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And I'm going to read the amplified version of this, which says, you therefore must be perfect, growing into complete maturity of godliness in mind and character, having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity as your heavenly father is perfect. I love that because sandwiched between these two simple phrases, you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, is this definition that explains that the word perfect here is synonymous with maturity. In other words, grow up. God is saying in this word, this admonition, that you must be perfect. This is what Jesus is saying, as your heavenly father is perfect. As he is matured and a whole, we need to grow up to be like him and having this character, this maturity of godliness. I love that, this maturity of godliness. That's the way he does what he does. That's the way he informs and leads us. He says, in our minds and in our character. You see, a character is something that remains and doesn't change. We've got to develop a character like the letter A or one. It's always A. It's always one. I wonder if you could always be true to the character of God's righteousness. He says here to be perfect. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't hear try or I didn't hear have a go. I didn't hear, you know, if you can. I heard the word, you must be perfect. And the word be is to have the quality of being whatever that thing is. It means that you are this, that this is who you are. You can flip it either way, but that's what it is. It means you are this and this is who you are, that you have this character, this maturity. God is saying here, inspiring us to say we need to mature and to be like him. In other words, act like your father. Be like your father. That's what he's saying to us here. And that requires us to look at the state that we're in. It's talking about perfection to be fully mature, spiritually mature. So not just grown up. And one of the things I've, I've outlined in the book is that, you know, we have this whole thing about the word grow up. And often we slap uh, this, 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 this 
thing on, on our young people. At 18, you're now a man, you're now a woman, and yet it doesn't necessarily reflect maturity. God is saying here that we are to grow up and to mature, to be like him. And the, the, the question we should then be asking is, how do I do this? And it's really important you do that. But when you hear a statement, you hear an admonition, you hear God saying something to you, the first thing that you should do, you should say, how do I do it? What is it that I need to do? I love that about Paul, um, who was originally Saul and he persecuted the Christians um, because he was given that authority to. And he was believing that while he was acting in the name of God, he was driving out and, and, and destroying those who were believing on this man, Jesus Christ. And what happened was that God met him while he was on the road to Damascus, going now to also stone some other people that he felt were compromising and contradicting what their faith was, this Jewish uh, man. And they were saying, listen, we're against this Christianity. And it's Christianity as we know it today. And God encounters him, knocks him off his horse with this amazing, overwhelming light in his presence. And one of the interesting things here, this is what point I wanted to make, is that when Paul comes to himself and he hears the voice of God, and the first thing he says is, what would you have me to do? I wonder if that's something you could say to God today. A God who's asking you to be perfect, to be like him, to follow and be led by him. I wonder if maybe you're going about it all wrong and you're not really asking and you're saying, God, what is it that, that I should be doing? And when you ask that question, you're listening for the answer. You're listening for the instructions. You're perhaps going in search of saying, okay, I'm in this situation. God, what would you have me do? Because that's how our conscience becomes mature when we begin to pursue his way of doing things. I love this passage, Romans 12 and verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't model yourself and try and fit in to this world. You're born from another kingdom. The Bible tells us we're born from above. So don't try to be conformed. Can you hear that word? Be to this world in this age fashioned after and adapted to this external, superficial customs, but be transformed. I love that. I wonder if we could all become transformers. I don't know if you've ever watched any of those movies. Amazing how these very small, compact vehicles morph. They transform into this giant, physically powerful creature. You see, that's what God is trying to do with you and me. He wants us to become transformers, that when people see the little you, the insignificant you, the God in you allows you to transform into the all-powerful, anointed, gifted and blessed you, so that when people underestimate you and say, oh, it's just Jesus, Joseph's son, you realize this is the Christ, the son of the living God, who has all power in his hand. I love that. He's saying, don't be conformed to this world. He says, but be transformed so that you might prove um, the, 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 the will of God. And it's, it's the idea of be, the, the, the mind. He says, but here, 
be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind. It's talking about the way you think. And we've gone through this process, this is the battle that goes on, you're bombarded with thoughts on a consistent basis every day. But it is your responsibility with a plan in place to determine what you think and meditate on that we've already spoken about. And you think about these things when you also then be, make the intention that this word becomes what transforms you. The Bible says that we are transformed by the renewal of our mind, as it's saying here, and by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable, and look at this, and perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. That's what he's saying here, the way you change it's simply repentance because to change your mind that's what it means when you repent you're consistently changing the mind and you're transformed by this consistent revelation that you get and you change your mind and as you do that your conscience becomes more robust you find actually that the person that you become looks more and more like God like your father and in so doing, we then are able to represent him truly because he is the, the model. He is the masterpiece. You see, carpenters will tell you that if you're going to uh, build a fence and you want to have all the panels the same, that you don't cut one panel, cut another off that one, and then off the one that you've just cut, cut another off that one. If you keep doing that, you'll find eventually you don't have the same size and shaped panel because these increments varies as you continue to copy off, not off the original, but off the one you've just cut. So you always have to go back to the original. And that's why as much as I may be sharing a word with you, you can't model yourself off me. You've got to model yourself off God, our Father. That's why Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And he's saying here, God's saying, be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. What does that mean, maturing? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. You've got to put away the childish things, things that you're holding on to, things that are getting in your way of maturity, things that are compromising your journey, your progression. Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 12, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the childhood, the childish things and I put the ways of childhood behind me. This is the NIV version. You've got to put those childish things behind you. What that means is that you're moving on, you're moving forward, you're transforming into this image that God has determined for you. You look at him and you model yourself of him. It's like learning to dance a routine. You look at the instructor and you then try and uh, master what they're showing to you. And you've got to keep looking, keep looking, keep looking. Tell the person next to you, say, keep looking. You've got to look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the model. 
But as long as you fail to do that, the works of the flesh will always come against you. As long as you continue to deal with carnal thinking and remain in infancy, you will always find that you're still under the influence of the flesh, that you are in danger and consistently being tossed about by your conflicting emotions. Why? Because you are not following God's plan, his will and his path. But God is saying here that if we trust him, we will understand the power of allowing him to lead us. Without him, we are driven relentlessly by selfish ambitions, by desires and cravings and likes and dislikes, fears and anxiety, where our self-confidence and our self-pity is always what is knocked and destroyed. But God is saying here that don't worry. Jesus Christ is saying, I've done this. He says in this world, you're going to have challenges. So this is not something that's easy. But with Christ, he says, I have overcome the world. This is what it means to be fully taking dominion. That all power is given on to him. Hallelujah. Fully taking dominion, Jesus tells us here. That he says, in this world you have trouble. This is Luke 10, uh, 18 to 19. But I have overcome the world. And so I want to encourage you today that our Father, Heavenly Father, is not saying have a go at being perfect. He's saying you can. Be perfect as he's perfect. And we strive intentionally. Don't give yourself excuses. Turn around and say, God, I'm going to go all out to be like you, but you've got to keep looking at him. You've got to keep taking on and allowing his word to transform your mind. That's what's going to renew you. And like what we described and talked about in our previous message, this driver assist, where we're on our way to driverless cars, you have to just keep your hands on the wheel, but allow God to do the steering. Take the instructions, because you see, that's what happens when you get a sat-nav that's guiding you to where you need to go. That's who God is. The Holy Spirit will lead you. That's what it means to be led, that you allow the Holy Spirit to guide and keep you, and you give all the indications for going left or right, because the Holy Spirit is saying, turn left, turn right, keep your head straight, don't look to the left or right. You know, you need to accelerate now, stop right now this is how the conscience becomes alive and the holy spirit speaks so beautifully in this still small voice is what then allows you to know that i'm becoming more and more like my father <laughs> you ever found that you know you see kids growing up and you say oh you look more and more like your father more and more like your mother you're a spitting image i wonder if somebody could look at us today and say you look like jesus and in so doing, your heavenly father is amazed because you look like him. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And I want to read this again. It says here, it means growing into complete maturity of godliness in mind and character having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity 
as your heavenly Father is perfect. Hallelujah. I don't know if you remember at the beginning when we described and talked about these words, character, integrity, and virtue, and how it's important that you don't do what you do for somebody else, but you have integrity, that you value your character, that you love yourself, and you understand that this is the vessel of God, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and I want to be perfect like my Father. It's not a pride thing. It's not a showing off thing. It is a God thing. Be perfect. Be matured in this love, this perfect love of God. And we're going to continue to look at this word perfection on this journey and understand. But it's all about the transformation of the mind. And watch how your life goes from strength to strength. Watch how you transform. And you can sing that song to be like Jesus. That's all I ask, to be like him. Stop trying and let Jesus do the work in you. Surrender. Let him take the wheel. I love that song by Kerry Underwood. Jesus, take the wheel. Some of you need to say that right now. God, I've been trying to steer this the whole time. Can you take the wheel? Can you lead and guide me? Can you allow my ears to hear what you're saying? Can you allow me to grow and to have a robust conscience that I live a life with character and integrity and I'm making you proud because I'm becoming more and more like you? We can do this, church, because the Bible tells us that it's through Christ that we do it. It's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ. So you've simply got to get out the way and let him do the steering and let him fill your life and watch what God is going to do. I'm excited and I know that you too, like me, want to become a transformer. Who doesn't want to be a transformer? Have you seen how they work? I wonder what it looks like when you are transforming from glory to glory, becoming more and more like him. And what the world will see and experience are the manifest sons of God. Let's grow up, people. And let's walk this journey of perfection. We're going to really explore this with God. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. God bless.